This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. In the year 1912, a contest was held for the best safety slogan to be placed as a warning at railroad crossings. Ralph Upton won that contest with a slogan consisting of only three words, stop, look, listen. He received the grand total of $350 as a prize. That was back in 1912. The lives of many people were saved over the years since by this simple slogan. And yet many people die every year at railroad crossings who apparently do not heed this warning. According to Federal Railroad Administration statistics, there were 1,889 collisions at railroad crossings in the year 2020, resulting in 202 deaths. A spokesman spokesman for this organization said that these numbers remain troublesome because most accidents at railroad crossings are largely avoidable and preventable. He went on to say that three out of four crashes occur within 25 miles of a motorist's home. Every three hours, a person or a vehicle is hit by a train. The force of a 30-car freight train hitting a car equals the force of a car running over an aluminum soft drink can. It is no contest. One person responding to this report said, the trains cannot stop. You can. Stop, look, listen. The day in which we live is one wherein we are all in desperate need of heeding warnings which are all around us. If it is important for us to stop, look, and listen to safeguard our physical lives, oh, how much more important it is for us to stop, look, and listen to safeguard our spiritual lives, that which will remain long after the physical is gone. In the 46th Psalm, verse 10, the psalmist gave us the words of the Lord, Be still and know that I am God. Last Sunday, we were thinking together about Pentecost, which was a week ago. On the day of Pentecost, the apostle Peter stood before a crowd of thousands in Jerusalem and he cried out, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Acts 2 verse 40 that is. Untoward means going in no special direction. Let's look at these three words. Stop. We sometimes do need to stop. In spite of what some moral relativists say, Christianity does involve certain things that we cannot do. In past years, there's been a lot of talk about self-expression. I like what William Temple said about this. He said, any artist who insisted on expressing himself ought to see to it that he first had a self which is worth expressing. Yes, life does demand certain restrictions. A young person cannot always say yes to lazy, carefree afternoons and evenings without saying no to good grades at school. 
The only way a young woman can say yes to a lovely schoolgirl figure is by saying no to all those delicious starches and sweets. Many families who are trying to get by on limited funds know that in order to drive the newest classy automobile, they must say no to some other things they might like to have. Any organized, well-adjusted life carries with it certain restrictions. You take away those restrictions and you don't have freedom. You have confusion and turmoil. If you take away the traffic light system from a city, you don't get freedom, you get chaos. Take away certain restrictions from the Christian walk of life and you do not have real Christianity at all. You have a diluted, weak sort of imitation of Christ. You may not say that you enjoy sinning, but you don't want to get too involved in anything that would make you feel restricted. This is not Christianity. It's certainly not the kind of life that Jesus came to bring us, abundant life. You may have heard about the little boy who once prayed, Lord, make me a good boy. But if you can't do it right now, God, that's all right. I'm having a good time like it is. Experts tell us, those who study genetics, that 80% of a child's development will occur before the age of eight. One child psychologist went even further to say that a child who has not been taught the meaning of the word no by the time he's four years old has spent four years in the academic school of crime. Oh, how sobering these words are. Stop is not a dirty four-letter word. Sometimes God tells us to stop. And when he says that to us, it is always for our own good. Look at that second word with me. The word is look. Let's look and see what our Christian faith really is. So many popular misconceptions of the Christian faith everywhere today. Some people feel that it's based on who doesn't do this and who doesn't do that. Charles Templeton says, no amount of things you don't do will make you a Christian. All the minuses in the world can never add up to the kind of plus living that Jesus offers. You can take out of your life half a hundred things that people tell you are wrong. That'll not make you a Christian. It'll merely make you empty. So after we've taken the first step and have stopped, then we need to do what the prodigal son did. He came to himself. When you look at your own expressions of your faith, what do you see? Do you have a sense of release from all those negatives, all those distractions from Christian joy that Jesus offers? Two young girls were brought up in the same town. One of them came from a very fine Christian home. But this girl thought her parents were real slave drivers. They were old fogies. Why, all the other girls do this, mother. Why can't I? She often asked. But her mother was firm. She could not. This girl was allowed to go out only at restricted times. She was usually found at home studying, practicing the piano, and going to bed at a decent hour. Truly a jail if she ever lived in one, she thought. The other young girl came from across the tracks from a broken home where there was absolutely no discipline. She lived with her mother 
who cared primarily about herself and her own convenience. The second girl was free to go anywhere she wanted at any time. She did not have to stay at home and study. She was usually found riding around with friends, having a good time. Dull things such as study or piano practice had no claim at all on her life. Now, picture these two girls 20 years from this time. Which one would you say was free to grow up into being a useful, happy woman? So it is with a Christian life and the Christian way. If you have never felt restricted in some way because of your first personal faith in Christ, well, maybe you ought to take a second look at it. Maybe it's not the kind of life that Jesus came to bring. One Sunday morning, a Christian layman from Louisville, Kentucky, walked down the street in St. Louis trying to find a place of worship. The streets were rather deserted on that Sunday morning, but he saw a police officer. He went over to the officer and asked him, Sir, I'm a stranger here in St. Louis. I'm a Protestant, and I, I would like to go to church. Can you suggest a place? The officer said to him, Yes, I can. And he gave the man instructions as to how to get there. The man thanked the policeman and started to walk away, only to turn around and ask him, By the way, sir, you know, there must be several churches on your beat. Why have you named that particular one for me to attend this morning? The police, policeman replied, I'll tell you why I chose that church to suggest you go there. Personally, I, I'm not a very religious man myself. I'm not a church man, said the policeman. Yes, there are several churches on my beat, as you said. I'm sending you to this one because I have observed over the years that the people who come out of that church are the happiest looking people in St. Louis. Oh, what a testimony from one who was, in his own words, not a church man. People do watch our lives in and out of the church. What do we tell them when we leave our place of worship? Yes, we would all do well to look at our own lives. But there's a third important word, and that word is listen. There's no real value in stopping anything, which we do now, or even looking at ourselves, unless we're willing to listen to God as He speaks to us. Are you alert to His voice? Are you ready to listen? I've been told that in Omaha, Nebraska, a man can pick up a red telephone in an underground shelter. This causes lights to go on in sack bases all over the world, Strategic Air Command bases. It also lights up a board at the home base in Omaha. And when the men at all these other bases around the world pick up their telephone, then the light on the board in headquarters in Omaha goes off. The other men have a phone in one hand and an alarm button in the other. If all the lights on the board in Omaha do not go off in two seconds, that's indicating an answer, then that particular base is called on the carpet. Are you saying, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth? Or do you say, listen, Lord, for thy servant is speaking? 
I may have shared with you before a classic story written by a newspaper columnist of some years ago, Irma Bombeck. It's a beautiful, heart-wrenching story in which she entitles, Please Listen. Irma Bombeck says it in these words. It was one of those days when I wanted my own apartment, unlisted. My son was telling me in complete detail about a movie he had just seen, punctured by 3,000 you-knows. My teeth were falling asleep. There, there were three phone calls, or rather I should say three monologues that could have been answered by a recording. I fought the urge to say, it's been nice listening to you. But later in the cab from home to the airport, I got another assault on my ear, this time by a cab driver who was rambling on about his own son in college. At last, there were 30 whole beautiful minutes before my plane took off. Time for me to be alone with my own thoughts, to open a book, to let my mind wander as I sat there in the terminal, in the waiting room, waiting area. A voice next to me belonging to an elderly woman said, I bet it's cold in Chicago. Stone-faced, I replied. It's likely. I haven't been to Chicago in nearly three years, she persisted. My son lives there. That's nice, I said, my eyes still intent on my book. The woman continued speaking. My husband's body is on this plane. We've been married for 53 years. I don't drive, you know. And when he died, a nun drove me home from the hospital. And we aren't even Catholic. The funeral director let me come to the airport with him. Irma Bombeck said, I don't think I have ever detested myself more than I did at that moment. Another human being was screaming to be heard. And in desperation had turned to a cold stranger who was more interested in a novel than in the real-life drama right there at her elbow. This woman needed no advice, no money, assistance, expertise, or even compassion. All she needed was someone to listen. She talked numbly and steadily until we finally boarded the plane. Then she found her seat in another section of the airplane, far from where I was. As I put up my coat in the bin above, I heard this woman's plaintive voice say to her new seat companion, I bet it's cold in Chicago. And right then I prayed, please God, let her listen. The psalmist says in Psalm 78, the first verse, speaking the word of God, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. This verse reminds me of older people who sometimes have trouble hearing, so they incline their ear to hear better. Have you ever noticed that a bus driver will always open the door of his bus at a railroad crossing when he stops there? Do you know why? It's so he can get a cross draft of wind from both sides of the bus, from his, the window beside to his left, and also the door to his right. 
and then he can hear better if a train is coming. God grant that we all may be willing today to open some doors of our lives in order for God to speak to us more clearly. Do you remember the words of that Christmas carol that we sing, No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Stop. Look. Listen. O oh God, give us the faith in you and the commitment to your Son, Jesus Christ, to do just this as you speak to our hearts today. We pray in his name. Amen.